Good morning, I'm Earl Stewart. I welcome you to Earl Stewart on Cars, a live talk show all about how to buy, lease, maintain, or repair your car without being ripped off by a car dealer. With me in the studio is Nancy Stewart, my wife, co-host, and a strong consumer advocate, especially for our female listeners. We also have Rick Kearney, an expert on how to keep your car running right. I dare you to ask a question that Rick can't answer about the mechanics or electronics of your car. Also with us is my son, Stu Stewart, our link to cyber space through Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Periscope. Stu is also the Spymaster Director of our Mystery Shopping Report. He dispatches our secret shopper weekly to an unsuspecting South Florida dealership. And now, on with the show. Good morning, everybody. Here we are, and welcome back, all you regulars. We've uh, built over the past 17 years a, a really good following, and uh, it's grown not only in numbers, but geographically. Um, I don't know how far I think we've been to Bali, uh, so we're, I guess, technically uh, Earl Sterling Cars International, certainly all over the United States, California, Texas, uh, Missouri, uh, I think, I know we've been to Canada, so uh, thanks for all our regulars, and I hope we have some new folks out there. The idea is to build our audience. Uh, we have a mission, and you know that mission is to help you buy or lease a car, or maintain and repair a car without being um, taken advantage of. I use the term ripped off. That's offensive to some people, mainly car dealers, but that's the way it is. Uh, we're operating in a retail group of uh, car dealers. Uh, car dealers are a group of retailers, I should say, that are still operating in the mid to early 20th century. All the other retailers have kind of passed them in terms of uh, uh, trade practices, or advertising. Uh, you can't believe an advertisement today for anything, really. But for a car dealer, you don't even want to look at it. My advice is just don't look at the advertising because it is trying to trick you to come in. Um, you know, the formula is very simple. Advertise a car well below the price that you can afford to sell it for. It's got to be below your cost that it would truly cost you to buy the car from the manufacturer. Because if you don't do that, all the other car dealers' advertisements will be lower than yours. So you don't dare advertise a car with a price that's $1 higher in competition because then the, I hate to use the word sucker, but the person who is deceived will go to your competitor. So in order to drive the people to your dealership, and I'm speaking to car dealers now, you have to advertise a price that nobody can possibly match, meaning your competition. And that can't be a true price. So that's, that's it in a nutshell. No control out there. Um, the regulators are either um, have more important things on their minds or else they're afraid to offend car dealers because car dealers have a, a, a powerful lobbyist group. Uh, National Automobile Dealers Association uh, is, uh, I believe, stronger than the National Rifle Association. National Automobile Dealers Association is extremely powerful. And then the local associations, the Florida Automobile Association, the Colorado, the, uh, the Ohio, every state, all 50 states have state associations. And then there are regional associations. We have a South Florida Dealers Association, a Tampa Dealers Association, a Jacksonville Dealers Association, and the overall Florida. And all of these are PACs, political action committees, that pour cash into funds 
to reelect your legislators. And uh, let me tell you, to cross the National Rifle Association for a politician is the kiss of death. And to cross the National Automobile Dealers Association by a politician is the kiss of death to your business. So you support those folks that are paying your election, your re-election sum. And that's where we are. So this show is one little voice in the wilderness to try to turn that ship in a different direction. And we're here to educate you, entertain you. And we ask you to call the show first and foremost because we need to hear from you because you're giving, you keep us uh, on top of what's current and what you need to know. We have a call-in number, 877-960-9960. That's 877-960-9960. ask you to write that number down. You might not have anything to uh, call us for now. You might be busy or uh, driving. You've got other things on your mind. But we're here for two hours from 8 to 10. Uh, if you listen to us for 15 or 20 minutes, that's about average. You'll think of something that will make your life a little bit easier, maybe help us. We get a lot of information from our audience. 877-960-9960. We have a text number, 772 area code, 497-6530. Text us at 772-497-6530. Or go to Facebook. We're on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook.com forward slash Erlon Cars. YouTube.com forward slash Erlon Cars. Twitter. Uh, Periscope. Don't get much on Periscope, but if you got a Periscope up out there, give us a shout on Periscope. We'll pick you up anywhere in the world, and we'll try to answer your questions, and we will uh, stop uh, yakking like I am right now to answer that telephone when you call in. Please call in, 877-960-9960. I have to introduce Nancy Stewart, who is my co-host, and uh, she is the a uh, female advocate on this show. She started with me on this show uh, coming up on two decades ago when we were only half an hour. And she's uh, the female friend. She's trying to encourage more and more females to call the show. We're on a little bit of a slump now, so all you females out there, heads up. Nancy Stewart has got an offer that you can't refuse. And you're not going to believe this. It sounds like it's too good to be true, but she'll tell you about it. Absolutely. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining us this morning. We definitely enjoy your company because you make the show. Give us a call toll-free at 877-960-9960, or you can take advantage of our text number at 772-497-6530. And uh, the ladies, uh, I'm speaking to you. Uh, did your uh, shopping experience go as you had planned it to in purchasing either a used car or a new car. I'd love to hear from you. And this morning, like every Saturday morning, we offer you the first two new lady callers, $50. Yes, $50 this time of year, I know you can use it. So share your shopping experience uh, with us and uh, absolutely uh, if you uh, went into service i'd love to hear from you and uh, for you to share how that went 877-960-9960-772-497-6530 we're going to get to john in just a second um what would you like to do earl 
Well, you take the caller. We you got want me call. to take uh, John? Gold. John, gold. Yeah, uh, John is uh, calling us from Palm City, and uh, he's a regular caller. Good morning, John. Good morning to everyone. I just want to mention the big news of, last, of this week that just passed. General Motors, $27 billion, would it be, spending for the next five years on electric vehicles and trucks. It's a big move. They're going to make a brand-new battery plant near Lordstown, Ohio. It's going to employ 3,000 workers. They're hoping to get those batteries for a 450-mile range. This, they're going to have 30 new models. Already the Cadillac SUV is announced for 2022. It's called a Lyric, fully electric. And my opinion, and I would quote me, and I think it's going to happen, even though Tesla is the leader right now, I think GM will be the leader in the electric car field. I almost looked at it, if you remember last year, there was a movie, Ford, uh, Ford versus Ferrari. Ferrari. I would say this will be Lex, I mean, uh, uh, Tesla versus GM. And here's why I really think that, because they're not hesitating to spend the money. They know the future is here. And billion, $27 billion is a big outlay. So they know what they must be doing. And other like Volvo, they have a new electric vehicle out. Unfortunately, it's called a Polestar, $61,000. Uh, if you remember, Volvo, 60 years ago, was noted for safety. They were the first ones with the three-point seat belts. Everybody was buying Volvos mainly because of the safety features that Volvo started before everyone else. So not that the electric vehicles are not without problems, but they'll be worked out. GM's latest recall is on the Bolt. 2017 to 2019, 69,000 of the Bolts are being recalled. They go on fire. The rear seat, nobody's been injured yet, but when the car is parked, the car goes on fire. Tesla already had 30,000 cars. The Model S recalled from 9-17-2012 to 1-15-2018 with a suspension problem. So like everybody else, they have their recall problems. Nobody's exempt from it. But my opinion, it can be quoted, I think GM will be the leader in the electric vehicle field, and I don't know if anybody agrees with me. I wouldn't be surprised, John. I mean, that's a big company. Well, there, you know, I don't know if you're a poker player, John, but $27 billion, we poker players, that's called all in. Uh, they just pushed uh, every, uh, all their net worth into the pot, and if they don't win the electric game, they're going to be out of business. Uh, there's going to be some major car dealerships, dealerships, car manufacturers, I should say, around the world, quite a few of them that won't be around uh, 10 years from today. And they all know the game is, uh, I have to have a good electric vehicle. And they're putting all in. They're, they're, they're risking everything to be in the race. But we have too many manufacturers now, and some of them aren't going to make it. Uh, you're rooting for General Motors, and, uh, but you've still got some uh, Ford is in there. They're all in there. Everybody has decided it's all electric, and they're, they're all shoving all their chips into the pot. Absolutely. I agree with you. Well, I used to be a very heavy GM fan. As a matter of fact, Lordstown, Ohio, I remember my 70 Chevelle. 
I remember uh, they put the order on it. Mm-hmm. It was built in a Lordstown, Ohio plant. Yeah. It was a very big assembly plant at that time. But like everything else, many, many of the plants were closed through the years. But this is a big thing. With 3,000 workers, they attend alone to employ in that area. Well, I've got Pontiac in my heart. That's where I started out. General Motors Pontiac are no longer here today, uh, nor is Oldsmobile, but uh, uh, General Motors is still here. So I kind of got a soft spot in my heart with GM. I'm rooting for them, too. I agree with you as an ex-Pontiac dealer. <laughs> you have a good day. <laughs> Thanks, John. Thank we love you, John. hearing from you. Thanks for calling very much. You uh, stay safe and be well, and call back next week, please. Now back to the recovering car dealer. Well, um, I, I have to mention one thing. I'm not going to go to Rick Kearney in a minute because he has a consumer report for us. It's going to be, uh, instead of consumer reports, there's Rick Kearney reports on a product. And we might start a whole branch <laughs> I like of the that, show. Rick Kearney reports. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Rick Kearney reports. And uh, before we get to Rick, and I'll give you a little heads up. Uh, I want to talk about mystery shopping reports and talk to Stu in just a second. But uh, Rick is going to have a report for you on the seafoam uh, fuel additive, uh, oil fuel additive. And uh, it's, uh, it's very interesting, and it's something that we have always uh, made fun of, uh, additives. We said additives uh, are not worth the price you pay for them. I don't know the answer. Rick wouldn't even tell me. I asked him earlier. He had the test results, but he wouldn't tell me. So it's going to be a surprise to me, too. Seafoam fuel additive. Rick Kearney reports in just a couple of minutes. Now, uh, I want to talk to Stu about mystery shopping reports. We have to remember that a lot of folks out there haven't heard the show before. I'm hoping there's a few hundred or maybe a few thousand people that just absolutely accidentally tuned in, and here they are. But uh, we have something that is so exciting and unique. Our regular listeners know about it, and they love it. But uh, Stu, uh, give us a little synopsis of the Mystery Shopping Report, uh, not on the particular one we're doing, yeah. but you know what I mean. Yeah, well, this started uh, way back before I was on the show. show. I, you know, like, I think it was 18 years ago about you and Nancy started it. Um, the highlight of the show then, as now, was the Mystery Shopping Report. And um, I was over at the dealership, and you'd give me a call, and you'd tell me, I just saw an ad for so-and-so. Uh, send some send somebody in there and check it out so we'd kind of scramble to find somebody we'd maybe grab a salesperson or one of our employees um, or someone we knew a friend and it was kind of disorganized and we just sent them in and it takes a particular type of person right i mean just not, you have to you be just fearless. Can't grab somebody off yeah. the street you got to have i can't use the term i'm thinking about but you have to have courage yeah you have to you have to be fearless i don't i mean I mean, I'm fearless in certain areas, but I don't think I could do a mystery shopping report. I mean, I'd be constantly worried about getting uh, exposed and yelled at or kicked out or something like that. Um, our most successful investigators, um, and we all give them names like Agent X, Agent Thunder. So when you hear the report later today, uh, we refer to our shopper as Agent Lightning. And uh, obviously, because we can't use their real name because they go to uh, different dealerships every week. And uh, we started to uncover... Uh, things that were only rumors and hearsay, <laughs> things that you heard from consumers. And after, we have so much data that you have to say, the things you hear us say on the show, th- these are not our opinions. We, we give our opinions, but when we say car dealers are doing X, Y, or Z, they are doing X, Y, and Z. Yeah, and that data is in the archives at earlcars.com. So yeah. we have 
hundreds? hundreds. There's, there's hundreds of them, but that's only part of it because I would say for the first eight to ten years you're doing this, we weren't saving these. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they might be printed out, stapled together in my desk in, in a giant pile somewhere, so yeah. maybe one day I'll actually look for them. But electronically, we have hundreds of PDF files that have detailed reports of what's going in in car dealerships in our area and beyond. We actually, we've done one in Pensacola that was our long distance shop and for those of our listeners who are not familiar with Florida that's like another part of the country from where we are or 600 700 miles away it's, yeah. it's practically Alabama um, all but, you plaintiffs warriors yeah. out there you go to earlandcars.com and click on the shop mystery shopping reports huge amount of data for a lawsuit so if you want to sue me all you plaintiffs lawyers out there you can go through all these mystery shopping reports because we named the dealerships and we named the people, the sales manager, the salesman, and we said what they did. And sometimes we said they broke the law or they lied. So we said all sorts of things that could be libelous, slanderous. So if you want to sue me, attention lawyers, go to earlandcars.com, Mystery Shopping Reports. We have hundreds of uh, possible lawsuits for you. Yeah, you love dancing on the edge, don't you? <laughs> Come on. Uh, but it's true. I mean, there's been ample opportunity. I, I mean... There's a couple of reasons why. Number one, you know, we are calling uh, balls and strikes. I mentioned that in the report today. We're not making things up. We, what we see, we put down in the report and you read it. Another reason, I think, is uh, even if a dealer really thought we got something wrong, I don't think he wants to have in a public forum their forums and their advertising and all their practices exposed in a, um, being a part of public record because it doesn't look good for them. So, um, but let me, when I have to say this, we have a ton of mystery shopping reports, not the majority, in which we left with a great, warm, fuzzy feeling. They did a great job. For yeah. example, two weeks ago, we mystery shopped Infinity of Stewart, yes. and we fell in love with the place. We're recommending yeah. people. Yeah. They got to go there. The salesperson was great. They were honest, and it was a good experience. And uh, surprisingly, we have a few of those in, our, in the archives, and you can read, read about those as well. Yeah. We don't go in with a predetermined um, conclusion of, of what they're going to do. We don't know. In some cases, we go to a, a dealership and they do terrible. We go back a few months later and they do they do a wonderful job and take care of the customer. And part the of the problem with car dealers today is you can have a pretty good policy, but if you have a salesman that says to hell with a the policy, then you can really get taken advantage of. So mm -hmm. uh, a dealership might have all the good intentions in the world, but they might have a, a, a rotten apple in the barrel and our sure. mystery shopper hits that rotten apple. Or, the yeah. other, the opposite is true. Uh, a car dealership that really has some bad practices. Every now and then, we stumble across a really honest salesperson. They yeah. say they'll say, you know, I hate this advertising. It's bait and switch. I don't like what what the dealer's doing here. I need the job. Uh, I promise you, I'll get you a really good price, and I'll be transparent with you. And and they are. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, a, it's a, never the same. Right. Well, the bad apple thing is absolutely true. I mean, and that's why we mystery shop our dealership as well. Yes. Now, we don't read them on, on the show because most of them are really good. Yeah. <laughs> we, don't, we, we don't want to be to, so self-reflective, but we do it yeah. for our own internal, for our management, yeah. and we, we shop and, and I have to say that hence uh, the uh, good dealer, bad dealer list was created, and uh, it is all facts, not fiction. Uh, we are going to go to Howard, who is holding, and Howard, too, is a regular caller. Good morning, Howard. Good morning. I hope you're all keeping you safe. Yes. And, uh, Thank you. Well, okay. Uh, my question is about batteries. Uh, I noticed that uh, 
years ago, when we had batteries, we used to fill them up with, uh, you know, check them all the time and put distilled water. We used to have a little uh, um, cup or so, you know, a little contraption to, to put the uh, distilled water in batteries. Yeah. Nobody checks batteries anymore. No dealership checks checks these batteries, and half the batteries are sealed. Now, my question is, uh, what's the difference between a sealed battery and the battery that you uh, that you, you could actually uh, see the the uh, distilled the water in there and fill it up, and which is a better battery, and uh, why these these two? Why do they make batteries this way anymore? Why don't they make them all sealed? Right. Well, the fact is that uh, at our dealership, and I'm, I'm not meaning to sound the horns here, but we do check the batteries. We test them quite often with the electronic testers. And yes, I do top off the batteries that do not have sealed caps. If, they're, you know, if they have caps that I can remove to check the water level, I will top it off a little bit. Um, sealed maintenance-free batteries are just simply a design that they actually have little like vents in them that as the water heats up in the acid and it tries to vaporize the water off, they actually have a little spot where it condenses back and lets it flow back into the chambers. The non-sealed ones are allowed to vent it out to the atmosphere so that water is lost to the atmosphere. I didn't know that. Amazing. I've only been in the business 55 years and I didn't know that. So, I, Rick, you're amazing. Well, it just, it's... It's something they tried, and it works pretty yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, but modern batteries have reached the point now where if you are a driver, if you're someone that you do put some miles on the car every day, and the battery gets a chance to be properly recharged you know, from the time when you start the car, those batteries can last an amazing amount of time. Yeah. I've seen batteries. Uh, I'll take my own personal vehicle, as a matter of fact. It is now eight years old. And I'm only on my second battery, the first original battery and my second battery. Yeah. And I drive, on average, 50 miles a day going back and forth to work with a lot of it being on the turnpike. Yeah. So it's those highway miles that gives it a chance for the battery to get fully recharged and keeps it in good health. Thanks, Rick. Howard, does that answer your question? Yeah, but I just want to say that uh, you're the only dealership that checks batteries. Well, you'd be, you'd be surprised. Uh, there are a lot of things that they say they check, and, then, and, and we're not perfect. I mean, we sometimes we miss. Uh, I go back to what I said earlier about rotten apples. Uh, if, you, if, if any business is really busy, even Costco, uh, you're going to find people that drop the ball. So hey, I'm, uh, I'm not perfect at all. Yeah, we, you know, quite often. That's not true, Rick. You're perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's it's a, a question of some people are more perfect and some people less perfect. There's no such thing as a perfect retail business, especially a car dealer. But you're right about check sheets. Check sheets, uh, you know, they'll advertise you have a 25 or a 35 or a 50 point inspection, and they say they did it. I guarantee you. And most They're only as good as the checker. <laughs> it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. They don't go through the checks. What they will do is they'll check for something that they can do that's going to cost you a lot of money. But uh, if, if, if everything looks okay, uh, they're not going to be checking the tire pressure, the battery, a lot of other things that they should check. But you're correct, Howard. Okay, one other question <clears throat> concerning batteries. Uh, now, when they're going to have electric cars, let's say 10 years from now, 
and uh, they're going to have them all over. And let's say gasoline gets less uh, you know, popular with people, they've been buying electric cars. How will the infrastructure handle this so that you could charge your battery? And how long would it take to charge a battery? I mean, uh, half an hour, to me, it seems like, uh, I mean, uh, too long. Uh, it takes like five or ten minutes, uh, maybe 15 minutes at most, to fill up a gas tank. So, Rick, what do you think about the future of electric batteries as far as the infrastructure and about the time it will take to charge a battery? We used to worry about that, Howard, but um, Elon Musk has got a battery now that will last a million miles. And uh, I think the charging... Um, uh, well, the range is... The range, yeah. yeah. The charging is something like 500 or 600 miles. It's... it's we reached the point now where, unless you're a uh, long-distance driver from coast to coast, you don't need to worry about a charging station. The average American will be able to take his car, plug it into his garage when he goes home, and there will be enough charging stations to take care of it. It's the battery. Battery technology has trumped the the infrastructure problem. And the battery will allow yeah. you to go just about anywhere, unless you live in the Sahara Desert. You, you just can't do what I do. I'll yeah. be coming home from work. I'm on E. I'm too tired. I don't want to guess. I'll just do it in the morning. Yeah. Now you got to do it on the way home. Well, you do a, it at home. There'll, there'll be an, <laughs> there, there'll be an automatic charger. You'll be yeah. you'll you'll have uh, you know, induced charging from the uh, your garage floor. I mean, uh, trust me, infrastructure is not going to be a, a problem. And I I predict we're going to have serious electric cars on the road in five years, not 10 years. Yeah. I think we're going to see... They're uh, even working on, on roadways that can charge the vehicle as they drive over them. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say, with the roadways using inductive charging, suppose as you pull into your driveway or your into your garage, you simply have a, a mat yeah. that's already connected to your electric. So when your car pulls over that mat and you park, it inductively yeah. charges right into your battery system overnight. Yeah. Any, as much as it needs. Anything that you can imagine is possible through technology. And that's, uh, if you think I'm crazy, think of something and, and, then, and then Google it. Think of something that you say, boy, it sure would be nice if uh, we had a product that did and this. A little aside, every time I've come up with a brilliant invention, I've Googled it and somebody already is working on it. Or, or, or it's already out there. I, I bought stuff on Amazon that I didn't know existed. Yeah. And so, yeah, Howard, I, I'm like you. Uh, five years ago, I would have believed that it's just going to be too long. You know, we talked about infrastructure for hydrogen charging stations, infrastructure for, for just plug-in stations, infrastructure. Don't need the infrastructure when you have an uh, electric car that can go 500 or 600 miles and it'll last for a million miles. But it's coming anyway. It's coming. Yeah, there, it's going to happen uh, side by side. I don't think there's going to be a problem. You know, speaking of uh, Howard, have we answered all your questions? Great. You, you certainly did, and I appreciate uh, all the help you give me and you give your uh, listeners. Uh, and uh, keep safe, and uh, I'll talk to you next week. Thank Thanks, you. Howard. Thank you very much. Thanks for being part of the show. We really appreciate you calling us every Saturday. Hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, speaking of batteries and um, technology, I'm going to share my story about my battery. And uh, we've called, it's gotten so bad that we've called upon Alexa to remind us. Uh, my car sat for almost a week and it, it, it was, my battery was dead. 
and uh, what a huge inconvenience and you you, you in this fast-paced world and with uh, the pandemic uh, you just you know you just forget I think that uh, Stu alluded to the fact that he pulls in and he says you know tomorrow I'll do this this or that and uh, the same applies for me so now we've called upon Alexa to remind me to take my car out oh, yeah we're fortunate enough to have two cars in the garage and Earl's car, his, his uh, Lexus gets uh, used a whole lot more than my Avalon. So uh, I made a note of that and mm. Alexa's gonna remind us. Let's not forget we got Rick waiting over here to uh, do his Rick Kearney Consumer Report on Seafoam, a uh, fuel additive that uh, uh, just, we had a caller call in and talk about how good it was and claim better gas mileage through the running engine. I thought it was nonsense. I went to Amazon, I Googled the product. It had hundreds of reviews. It had close to a five-star review, but we always thought gas additives are BS. Rick Mr. reports. Kermit. Before we get to that, I got one quick YouTube question okay. for you, Earl. Okay. Uh, Nagan One says, good morning, Earl. I have a friend that's searching for a used car. She commutes 200 miles a day. Her budget is around $10,000, and she asked my opinion. I told her an Acura or Honda with 100,000 miles on average would be a good used car for her. What's your opinion? Uh, you can't go wrong. Acura, Honda, uh, I would say Japanese and Korean makes are your best bet. Check consumer reports, but uh, uh, Honda is going to be, you'll probably find a Honda for 10000 uh, sooner than an Acura. Mm -hmm. And uh, you get a good uh, maintained Honda, check the Carfax, have an independent mechanic check it out, and you can get a good reliable car for $10,000. Okay. Okay. Seafoam. Here's my report, quick and simple. Um, I started off by getting a baseline reading on my pickup for fuel economy. And my truck got approximately around 16.3 miles per gallon right at the beginning. Okay, and before we get into that, for the new people that are just listening to this, Seafoam comes in a can, you get it on Amazon. What's, uh, I should know this, what's a can of Seafoam cost you? One can, 16 ounces, is about $8. Okay, and you pour that, they tell you to pour it into your gas tank. It's recommended to use no more than one ounce per gallon of fuel, uh -huh. and approximately one ounce per quart of oil poured into the crankcase. Okay. Now, while I was doing these, this test drive, because I actually did one full tank just as an immediate you know, baseline figure, then I did three tanks, or I beg your pardon, two full tanks, and I'm on the third tank now, to test what the increase in fuel economy would be. And at the same time, I used my scan tool to record all my sensor data readings over several oh. test drives so I could look and see you know, what things might change on my vehicle. Very cool. Now my truck is a 2013 V6 automatic transmission pickup with 120 some thousand miles on it. Okay. So it is an older vehicle, but I do take pretty good care of it. And I also drive a lot of highway driving, so I'm on the turnpike quite a bit. So this may have a big factor in this. Okay. Um, in the meantime, while I'm doing this, I also went online to YouTube and did a lot of research on what other people had done testing and what their results were and to see you know what everybody felt was the proper application as well as using Seafoam's own recommendations of what was needed to be done to use this product properly. Mm -hmm. 
And I found there's actually three steps recommended, not just two. The first, of course, seafoam in the gas. The second, seafoam in the oil. The third is actually a spray can of seafoam cleaner product that you spray onto the throttle plate. Mm. Now this requires a little bit of work because you've got to disconnect the air hose from the throttle body of the car and spray this product onto the throttle plate. Mm. And in a lot of cases they actually have a special straw piece that they want you to hook it up, put the hose back on with this straw in place, run the car at a certain idle rate above idle, and then spray this chemical in little bits at a time so it takes a bit of work and a bit of time. And what this is supposed to do is remove any carbon deposits on the throttle body yeah. itself and let it help clean through the induction system. I can see all the car dealers out there in the audience right now saying, hmm, seafoam, uh, $999. There you go. <laughs> That's going to look real nice on an addendum label. <laughs> okay. Of course, one of the big things that you see in all the videos is they focus on the exhaust pipe and you see this clouds of white smoke coming out right. as it's supposedly burning this carbon off and of course then the smoke clears up over time. Oh that's where the seafoam uh, name came from. It blows white smoke out. Nope. No. The seafoam name actually came from the fact that the product was originally designed to be used in outboard marine engines yeah. that were two cycle engines uh -huh. where the gas and oil are mixed together I gotcha. and of course with gas and oil mixed together in two cycle engines you get a lot of carbon buildup. So the carbon buildup in the engine, the seafoam product, yeah. worked really well to clean out those outboard engines. Yeah. However, now we're talking modern cars that are four cycle. The oil and gas stay pretty much separated. I, except can't, I can't wait, tell me what happened. <laughs> well, except for where the oil residue gets drawn through the PCV valve. Uh -huh. now, this is important, I'll get to that in a second, but it's important okay. to remember that the PCV valve is actually drawing vapors from the crankcase up into the intake. <laughs> I can't take it. <laughs> it's All amazing. Right. It's amazing. Now comes the, the end result of what I got. Okay. My <laughs> second tank of fuel, which was the first full tank with seafoam, right. was 17.5 gallons or 17.5 miles per gallon, an increase of about 1.2. The third tank, I actually got up to 18.9 miles per gallon. So I did get a little over two and a half miles per gallon increase in fuel economy. Now you, and you were, you were driving that in the exact same manner? Pretty much exact same mm -hmm. manner. Some days might be you know, a little more in the city. Uh, there were some days instead of driving home on the turnpike, I'd go over and drive home along the ocean. Can, have you calculated that into uh, cost savings in fuel per tank full? Uh, when you fill up with the tank, how much money does that save you? Two and a half miles per gallon. Two and a half miles per gallon is probably going to save you about two to three dollars per tank full. Really? Wow. At the most. At the most. Now here's here, here's where it gets a little more interesting. Uh, the YouTube channels that I looked at were such ones as Project Farm, Nate's Interactive Audio, One Road, and I believe it was Farm Farm Truck was another one. Uh, they all used older vehicles, much older vehicles uh -huh. that had like dirty engines inside, a lot of carbon buildup, and on older, older cars, not quite comparable to most of our audience, which newer cars using fuel injection systems and 
They don't have lifters anymore. There's a, a big de design change in the engines. Yeah. Here's my comparison. Seafoam is recommended to be used about every other tank full in the fuel and is recommended to be used in your oil as often as you can. So I calculated out over 30,000 miles, you would drive, say you get 450 miles per tank full. Now my truck only gets about 320 because it's, you know, it's a pickup truck. If you're comparing to say a Camry or a Corolla or a mid-size sedan, yeah. you'd get around 450 miles per tank full on average which is the equivalent of about 66 tanks of fuel for 30,000 miles. Running figure one, one can every other tank full plus one can of the $10 spray for 30,000 mile period, you're gonna spend about 280 to $320 for Seafoam product itself. Uh -huh. Then there's also the labor factor of doing that throttle body cleaning with yeah. the spray can. Yeah. To me, my honest opinion, going to a mechanic once every 30,000 miles and having them clean your throttle body yeah. would cost around $100 to $150. Okay. So the seafoam looks to me like it's going to be almost double that amount to use seafoam product. Oh. And I did not see enough of a fuel increase, fuel economy increase, even at two miles per gallon, which Bear in mind, per tankful, fuel yeah. economy can, can vary as much as two to three to five miles per gallon per tankful, depending sure. on how you're driving your vehicle yeah. over that length of time. So the Rick Kearney does not recommend seafoam. Right? And in agreement with me is a fellow who I kind of respect this guy on YouTube, a guy by the name of Scotty Kilmer. Uh -huh. hey. We've heard his name quite a few times. Yeah. Got introduced to him by Tina from Benita Springs, one of our favorite callers, who unfortunately oh, yeah. her work schedule doesn't allow her to call as often anymore. And the basic opinion is, and one of the things that I noticed a lot of these channels did, they used a boroscope to go in through the spark plug holes on these engines and examine the carbon buildup inside the engines. Uh -huh. Most modern cars, when you look at them with a boroscope, you'll see a small amount of carbon on the pistons building up over okay. 50 to 100,000 miles. But it's not nearly as much anymore because gasoline is a fantastic solvent. And with normal injected engines, the gasoline is injected right onto the intake valve, yeah. which cleans that intake valve we're, off. We're, you're getting too technical. And it cleans the combustion yeah. chamber. I have a perfect visual of what's going on. I'm inside an engine right now. Yeah. But the point, I, I the, 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 the bottom <laughs> line is, do not recommend seafoam on an economic cost basis. Except for one particular system. If you have a much older car, and your car is starting to make some rattly noises in the engine, and you do have you know, a lack of power in that, I would recommend give it a try one time with one bottle in the tank, a small amount added to the oil, follow the manufacturer's recommendations with seafoam, and try the spray th in through the throttle body. You're looking at a full out, full outlay of, of parts. You're looking at about $15 to $20 at the most, and a little bit of time to set it up to spray in on that throttle plate. And in a lot of cases, I think on these older cars, doing it once, will make a small difference in a lot of cars as long as the engine's not ready to just simply give up the ghost and expire. 
Well, thank you, Rick. I mean, that was a, a yeah. fantastic report. I was, uh, uh, I'm going to have to be careful. Consumer Reports is level to hire you away from me. I'm and, telling uh, you. Put you on the staff. But uh, <laughs> And that's why we call hmm. them Rick Reports. Yeah. Now, as, as just to close it out, the reason I think you might see a lot of those positive reviews on Amazon and a lot of really big numbers popping up there yeah. is because a lot of these YouTube channels, like one, Project Farm, as a matter of fact, a couple of them, their their video on seafoam where they showed a dramatic increase by you know using these old vehicles mm -hmm. had over a million views so if you've got one million people have watched that video yeah and ten percent of them buy seafoam and try it that's a yeah. hundred thousand and if ten percent of those yeah. leave a review that's ten thousand reviews sure. absolutely and people that listen to rick reports you already recommended it to try it once so if uh, 10 million people try it once, I'm going to buy some stock in, in uh, Seafoam. But you're right. It's a, it's a product that w works, but it doesn't work well enough to pay for the cost in general. So, it has a specific place. Yeah. But I, again, my recommendation is yeah. about every 30,000 miles, have your mechanic clean your throttle body, yeah. and I think you'll see just as good a change in your systems and you'll see that car out Remember you heard it here I, I, first on Earl Stewart on Cars. If you have a product that you'd like tested, uh, recommend it uh, to us to test, and we'll submit it to Rick. And you'll hear and about we'll, it on Rick Reports. And we'll see if there's a question. Something is popular that seems to be selling well, has good reviews, but you're dubious, uh, we'll be happy to have Rick take a look at it. Yeah, and you know, you, you guys, uh, we've, we've been sitting here and 